a un primero de mayo. <risa> Hello and welcome to the The Sam D Podcast. I am your host, Sam Duzame Jr. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube at The Sam D. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. For all content, audio, and visual, hit up thesamd.com. Follow along with the podcast on social media at The Sam D Podcast. Musical production done by May 1st Music. Support him at soundcloud.com slash May 1st Music. Okay, we gonna get right to the shits. No anecdote. I have one, but maybe I'll work that in on the back half of the pot. We gonna get right to the shits. LeBron is no longer the best player in the world. That's a proclamation. That's a declaration. And, you know, I'm not here to do, you know, predict shit. I'm not into prediction stuff or whatever. I'm here to just talk about what I see, what I feel, what I hear. And I've been here talking about how LeBron is still the best player in the world. And when I've been pressed to do a top five, you know, Bron... And then after that, it's any combination of guys. Sometimes I think AD is the second best player in the world. Sometimes it's Kawhi. Sometimes it's Kevin Durant. Sometimes it's even Dame. But now there is no more debate. There's no more debate into who's one. There's probably no debate to who's two. But who used to be one? Probably isn't even top five anymore. And we'll get there. The Lakers stuff might have to be a whole separate segment pod. Like that's, I got a lot there. So I'm going to figure out what I could get off here. And then y'all probably going to get some bonus stuff of just me going in on isolated topics because it's a lot. So when it comes to best play in the world, it is no longer LeBron Ramon James. He's had a long reign. There were times when people thought Steph Curry was better. There were times when people thought Boardman, Kawhi Leonard was better. I'm saying now, LeBron's not the best player in the world. He's had it by default just because no one wants to be the one to get it wrong by saying the king is dead. I'm saying the king is actually dead. He's not number one. He's not top five. Right. So it's a precipitous drop for the king. Your new number one plays in Barclays. Your new number one is coming off a historically catastrophic leg injury. Your new number one doesn't want to admit he's over seven feet. Your new number one possibly could get his third chip this season. Your new number one is Slim Reaper, Kevin Durant. It is not because he was yamming and Swiss cheesing up. Your two-time fraudulent MVP, one-time fraudulent 
Defensive player of the year with no secondary move. The Nigerian freak with the Joloff step. Giannis Antetokounmpo. It wasn't because he was doing that to him. It was just he's reached the unstoppable tier. And that, to me, makes you the best player in the world. When you're unstoppable, when there's no defense that can be created, when there's no stopper, when there's no hole in your game, bar none, you're the best player in the world. And Kevin Durant is on that tier. And he's on that tier by himself. Everyone else, you could say it's top five, they all got holes in their game. Whether it's height with Dame, whether it's health with AD, whether it's age like LeBron, or health again when it comes to the board man. Kevin Durant, the way that he's been able to bounce back off this catastrophic leg injury and look damn near the same, if not better, than what he was two years ago, that makes him the best player in the world. And he's been wanting this. I tweeted out the Sports Illustrated cover where, you know, he was basically complaining that this was him before he left OKC, that he's always number two. Everywhere he goes, he's number two. He was number two in his own draft class. You know what I'm saying? Everywhere he's gone, he's been number two. Numbers checking here. You're number two here. You're number two here. And in his mind, he felt he was number two behind LeBron. And I think at some points he has been number two, but he's also has fluctuated throughout the top five. In my opinion, he hasn't been lower than five in a very long time. And lower as in six to below. So he's carried that chip on his shoulder. But after what we saw happen to LeBron in the Lake Show, and again, we'll get there. That might be a separate thing. How is it not Kevin Durant? If you're telling me it's not Kevin Durant, then who is it? Holla at me on the voicemail. The number's in the podcast description. Some of y'all like to just call it just to see if it actually works. It actually works. It rings my phone. Next time, actually leave a voicemail. The number's in the podcast description. If it's not Kevin Durant, then who? He's top two and he's not two. I'm here to say it. That It's not a hot take. It's just, if you've been listening to this pod for, I think as long as I've been doing this pod, it's been LeBron. This pod's been going on about five years now, five, six years. Ever since I've touched this mic, it's been LeBron's the best player in the world. When y'all got gas off of Steph, I said, nope, LeBron's still the best player in the world. When y'all thought for a hot second it was Kawhi, I said, nope, LeBron's still the best player in the world. When he won the chip in the bubble, is still to me confirmed that, yep, he's still the best player in the world. But after seeing this past season, regular season, playing to now, I said, oh no, the tide is shifting. If all the time's undefeated, it's an old tired cliche, but the shit is accurate. That's why it always gets used. If all the time's undefeated, LeBron ain't LeBron anymore, bruh. But KD is still KD, bruh. KD might even be a better KD, bruh. Because it's the kill switch. That's another criteria. The kill switch. So it's not only being unstoppable. Where there's no holes in your game. It's the mentality. The mentality of, I'm a killer. 
Give me the rock. I'm going to end this shit. All of the ones that I've considered to be top five, they all have that kill switch. They all have that, those moments where they just end the game, end the series. Killers. All of them have those moments. We've seen AD win playoff games. We've seen Kawhi win playoff games. Dame win playoff games. If you still want to put Braun in there for top five, we obviously have seen him win playoff games. We've definitely seen KD do it. I don't think he developed it until he went to the Bay. And I think he had that chip, that chip that's been on his shoulder of always being top two, but not one. That chip magnified in the Bay. Because now he's looking at a dude that some people had the audacity to say was better than LeBron. And a fraudulent two-time MVP with trash-ass ankles, Steph. But if you're saying that, that also means you think Steph is better than Kevin Durant. And you know who doesn't think Steph is better than Kevin Durant? Kevin Durant. (laughs) So that chip on his shoulder, it got magnified. So not only you saying, I'm mad that y'all saying Braun better than me, right? Now you're saying, this dude, 6'3 dude who could pull from the parking lot, okay, that's cute. Now he's better than me? I'm seven foot seven one. I could get him from the parking lot too, if I had to, but I don't. Because I'm seven fucking one with handles And a Jimmy. What? You're concerned about Light Bright pulling from the lot? What? It's crazy, man. So that chip on his shoulder was magnified. And if you remember, those two chips that they did get in the bay when he was there. Probably would have been three if all the injuries didn't happen that last year. But in the two that they did... That they did get. Who was the kill at the end? It wasn't the fraudulent two-time MVP with trash-ass ankles that never won a finals MVP. Your man Steph. It wasn't him. The kill switch was turned on by the Slim Reaper. Hence the name Slim Reaper. Kill switch. It's time. It's time. Top two and not two. Real shit. It's, yeah, I'm here for it. I've seen the transitions from Jordan. And it's debatable after that. That That's, that's where the whole best play in the world, it got passed around a lot and it was very subjective after Jordan. Some people said it was AI. Some people were Kobe stands. Some people were Tim Duncan stands. You know, there's a lot. It passed through a lot of hands before LeBron grabbed it and never let go of it. So, but that little period in between, when it was subjectively passed around every couple of years to, oh well, now it's you, AI. You took a team to the finals. You even got a game against Shaq and Kobe. Ah, right, you're the best player in the world. 
Then it was Kobe. You out here going nuts. You got Shaq up out of there and you still went on to get two more chips. All right, it's it's Kobe. Tim Duncan, five chips. Unstoppable, arguably the best power forward of all time. You took the Spurs. You made it. You're, you're a one-man dynasty. He's made all those dudes, that, that whole collective, he's made their value higher than what it really is. One man did that. That was Tim Duncan. All those dudes, that whole organization owes a debt of gratitude to Tim Duncan. He's the only reason why they have as many championships as they do. As they do. He's the only reason why the Spurs organization is held in high regard. He's the only one. The only reason. Timothy Duncan. That's it. He got the mantle for a little bit. But once it got to LeBron, all conversations stopped. He's like, nope, it's Bron. But then, seemingly when Bron was still at his apex, the Steph Curry raging inferno thing happened, and then everyone lost their minds. Well, everyone except me lost their minds and jumped out the window and said Steph was better. All the meanwhile, KD is out here Swiss cheesing everybody up year after year after year, scoring titles, MVPs, leading his team to the conference finals, being a bona fide number one option every year. That's what Durant was doing all the while. While LeBron was comfortably on top, while Steph Curry was pulling from the parking lot, changing the scope, ruining basketball, KD, Slim Reaper, was just steadily breaking records, setting a new foundation, taking, I mean, look, man, I don't want to say, I've been, I've been asked a lot, who does Durant remind me of? And it, there's really no one, but if you had to take different stuff, I think what you saw Dirk do, there's some of that because of the height. Then there's some Larry Bird. And then there's just a dude that's just a hooper. Like sometimes you're a one of one. You may be inspired by others that have come before you and things like that. You might pull little things, but at the end of the day, he's a one of one. You know, I call Brandon Ingram Young Reaper because I think that's the closest thing you're going to get to a Slim Reaper. That mold, that's the closest thing you're going to get. But is he actually, is Brandon Ingram actually a Slim Reaper clone? No, that's why he's Young Reaper. Kevin Durant is the best player in the world. And I felt I had to come out here and say it because after what I've seen over the last, this this whole season, it's been clear as day to me. We've talked about the Nets a lot here. We've talked about what they can do, what they can do as a team. But I've been tracking KD's recovery. Like, is he 80%? Is he 90%? Okay, this week he looked all right. He looked like 85%. Oh, wow, he's creeping into the 90s now. Okay, he might be all the way. Then at, at you know, halfway point of the season, all-star break, I'm like, yo, I, KD might be all the way back. And if KD's all the way back, that's a top three play in the world. At worst, top three. And now he's number one. So I had to get that off. Kevin Durant is the best player in the world. LeBron could have chosen one on his back. Kuzma and Caruso could still crown him running to the sidelines. All of that is cute. 
But it's a wrap, B. KD, it's your time, pimping. You have it. You have the mantle. How long are you going to have it? That's up to you. Because them youngins is coming. Them youngins is coming. I mean, I, I'm i close to putting D-Book top five. I'm close. I've been a big D-Book guy for the last couple of years. Go back and check the archives. The receipts are there. I'm not one of these Johnny come lately. He's like, I don't need Phoenix to be a two seed to realize Devin Booker's nice. I've been here. D-Book might be top five. Might be. He ain't no lower than six or seven if he's not top five. Ain't, ain't, there ain't eight players better than him in the league. In there. I don't think there's seven, and I don't think there's six. So D-Book's right there. Where Bron is, I'll leave that for the, the Laker conversation. Because, uh, yeah, bro, shit be sinking in La La Land. So with all that being said, the hell's up in Milwaukee? <laughs> Spent all that time talking about Kevin Durant. And, I mean, KD's KD, man. He's, he's, he's going to do that. And this Bucks nets thing was supposed to be a big series. It was supposed to be competitive. And maybe we'll get a couple of good games. Maybe. But, I mean, is Drew Holiday looking like a scammer or nah? Is Drew Holiday looking like a scammer? Look, man, it <laughs> he's he's a great defender. He's a great defender. I'm just trying to figure out can he at least slow down Kyrie? I know he can't stop Kyrie. I don't think there's anybody in the league who can stop Kyrie one on one. I was under the impression that Drew Holiday would be able to at least slow down Kyrie. Make it make it hard for him, make him work. Nah, bruh. Beards only played 43 seconds. And the Nets are coming off two blowout wins. And the Bucks are out here looking scared, looking shaky in the light. And everyone, as much as I'm calling out Drew for potentially being a scammer, I don't think he is. But when we talk about people that are good on defense, there's good on team defense and good on one-on-one -on -one defense. You know, there, there was a blue check boy that went on the ESPN podcast uh, yesterday, yesterday morning, and said that the Bucks from the bubble that season, last season, their defensive metrics were through the roof. Number one, historic defensive ratings, defensive metrics were all off the charts. And then they went out there and got Swiss cheesed up by the heat in the bubble. So now... This year, they improve it in theory with a Drew Holiday who's more of a better on-ball defender, right? Bring in crazy eyes, my, my guy Bobby Portis. They go swing for P.J. Tucker, who's known for a defender. More versatility when it comes to defensive wings and defensive guards. Drew Holiday could guard a big on a switch. Eric Bledsoe could not. You know, it's the closest thing to Malcolm Brogdon that they've had in swinging and getting uh, Drew Holiday. So you have that. Then you have 
Bobby Portis, who's a big, versatile wing, he could guard threes, fours, and fives. And if he's caught on a switch with a one or a two, you're not necessarily afraid. It's not automatically Swiss cheese. And they got P.J. Tucker, who can guard one through five, mostly fives. Adding versatility. So the theory was that this year's Bucks would be better prepared for the Miamis, which they obviously were if you saw the first round, for the Phillies in terms of the 76ers, and for the Nets. Now they got to get the Philly. We'll figure that out. I mean, also, Philly's got to be there. We'll get there. But when you look at what the Nets are offering... Just a bunch of shooters. I mean, it's literally just a bunch of shooters. There's five dudes out there who can shoot. Five dudes. So, all this versatility is supposed to feed right into the Bucks' hands. The offseason moves that were made are supposed to be tailor-made for what the Nets are rolling out there. Especially since they don't have no beard, they don't have no Jeff Green, and LaMarcus Aldridge had to retire. So all the death, the crazy death, the veteran buyout trade death that they acquired is all gone. It's just KD, Kyrie, Joe Harris, and a bunch of dudes. Kia Jumper and a bunch of dudes. And now out here blowing out the Bucks, blowing out the Nigerian freak. Is Drew Holiday... A scammer. And if he's a scammer, what does that make the Nigerian freak with the Joloff Rice step? One of them got to be a scammer. I mean, one of them's already scammed two MVPs and a Defensive Player of the Year award. Is he the scammer or is Drew the scammer? Because they're not getting locked. It's not like, like last year, you can make the case that the Miami Heat put all their power in the lock in Giannis and exposing the holes in his game. And that's why for me, he's never be top five and it's debatable if he's even top 10. There's too many holes in his game to me to consider him a top 10 player. So you have a guy that has a lot of holes in his game and teams now know or now realize how to expose those holes. And he hasn't done the work or maybe he's just eight. He's reached his apex. You can't always just go get better. Don't let these motherfuckers in the media and Twitter and social media fool you. Think, well, they'll just, just, just go put the work in. Scottie Pippen's a top 50 all-time player of all time. Motherfucker couldn't shoot. He worked on it every goddamn offseason. He came back every, every goddamn season. He still couldn't shoot. You can't just will yourself into shooting. There's a couple of anomalies. Jay Kidd got crazy good at shooting threes later in his career. It was the only thing he could do towards the end of his career. Rondo, the point guard, has gotten adequate at shooting threes. He's not good. He's actually adequate when he was horrific early in his career. There's a couple of anomalies, but most dudes, if you can't shoot, you can't shoot. You're not going to go from, you know being 20% from three to all of a sudden 40 plus doesn't happen. 
You can't just will yourself into being a three-point shooter. You can get better incrementally. You could go from 25% to 30, maybe even touch mid-30s, 33, 34. But you're not going to go from sub-30 to 40-plus percent where, where, where that's considered to be a really good three-point shooter. Giannis has peaked. That's it. We've all seen the footage of him when he first came to the league or pre-draft camps. He was a twig. Skinny as hell, scrawny as hell. Just all gangly, uncoordinated. We, we all saw it. Now look at him. That's getting better. And the same question I asked last year, because I put this out there on Twitter. When I had the podcast a year ago, asking, does Giannis have a secondary move? I'll put a link to that into the description if you missed that, if you're new here. I said it then. This might be the peak. This might be it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you just have to understand that first thing, that's not a number one option. Second thing is, if that's your best player, you're not going to win the championship. If your best player is not even top 10 in the league, how are you winning a championship? There's less people on the court. So having top tier, elite tier talent matters. Giannis is not top 10. How are the Bucs supposed to win a championship? And how are the Bucs paying all this goddamn money to a man that's never going to be the sole reason or the main reason they win a championship? Because when he goes up against top-tier talent, this is what happens. When he goes up against the Slim Reaper, you saw what happened. Defensive player of the year. He's out here getting yammed up on easy crosses. That's not KD's top tier cross. He hit him with a, with a hezzy. That was a hezzy cross. That's who the Bucks are putting their, their all their hopes on? And people were flirting with that idea of him being the best player in the world. Don't think those conversations weren't happening. No one was crazy enough, or at least no one that I know, was crazy enough to go out there and say Giannis is the best player in the world. But after winning back-to-back MVPs, the whispers were starting to spread. I could tell you that. On the group text, it was starting to bubble. But this year, well, first, the, the playoff performance in the bubble killed all of that. But whatever was remaining after that, I think has to be killed now. Coach Bud... Look, man, you see what's happening around the league. Teams are finally getting coaches up out the paint. Terry Stotts, I questioned him a few episodes ago. Saying, well, when's Dame going to say something? I guess Dame said something. <laughs> and he tried to get J. Kidd, but I mean, J. Kidd, he probably looked at that roster and that salary cap was like, nah, I'm good, man. I mean, look, Bay, Bay all day, but nah, man, I'm good. And Milwaukee, if 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 
if the Nets finish off the Bucks, I don't know if it's going to be a sweep or five or six, but as things go right now, they're supposed to get Jeff Green back, who will be another versatile defender that can slow down the Nigerian freak or slow down Chris Middleton or stop the little bullshit pick and roll with Big uh, Brooke Lopez. Uncle Jeff Green is back in the mix, allegedly for game three, if not four. So, I mean, I'm assuming the Nets are going to finish this off. If Coach Bud is gone, who wants that gig? You're walking into a high-pressure gig because Giannis is expected to be a champion. Even though I'm sitting here saying I don't think he has a secondary offensive move. He tried a little patented turnaround jumper. Like, he tried to get that. He tried to get a little 13-footer. But it has to be on the left or right block. That's not a move. That's a spot. So when I say secondary move, it's okay. Your main move is running downhill in transition, taking three steps and doing the Joe Loft right step and dunking on somebody. That's your primary offensive move. What's your secondary offensive move? Only a precious few. Melo goes out there with the jab step, and he'll jab you to death. But he's already in triple threat position, if you understand basketball. He's already in a triple threat position. So he can jab you, and yeah, he could pull up. Or he could jab you and drive. Or he could jab you and then turn around and post you. So he's still in triple threat position. So there's options. So that's three moves in one jab step that he has at his disposal. So that's three in one move. That's why the jab is, is that's why Melo's patented, and he's now a top 10 scorer of all time. Because it's really three moves in one step. The jab step opens up three lanes. What is a Nigerian freak doing besides running downhill on transition and Joloff stepping for a dunk? What else? What else is there? His card's being pulled. His card is being pulled. This is a huge year. This is a big year in basketball. It's a transitional period in the NBA. Because to me, LeBron's reign at the top, done. Now it's KD. KD is your league. Take us as long as you want. Now, the league would rather be the two-time fraudulent MVP with trash-ass ankles or Zion or... I mean, who else is marketable like that? I think that's it right now. I mean, you you might could say Luca. I don't think the Lu- the league wants Luca to be the best player in the world. That doesn't help the league here. If you follow me, that would be the first time the best player in the world. Is like a is a a Euro player. That'll be the first time. There's never been a player. Yeah, nah. Not not to my knowledge. Dirk was never the best player in the game. Uh, who else? Yeah, I mean Tim Duncan's Virgin Islands. Kobe got some seasoning in Italy. 
But I mean, you know, there's never been that guy. So I don't, I, I don't even think the league wants Luca. I think it's either Steph or Zion. That's who the league wants. If LeBron's finally giving up the mantle or is having it snatched from him in this case by the Slim Reaper, they would much rather it go to Steph or Zion. But when you have a guy that's making the the money that Giannis is making with the clout that he's been giving, he's a two-time MVP. A two-time MVP. That matters in league circles and in league office. That matters. You're like the showcase of the league. You're like a face of the league type guy when you win MVP. That's why some guys don't win it certain years. Because the media has a hand in following the lead of the league office into who gets to be what. And yes, I know the meniscus tearing taskmaster was awarded or given. I think it's the more operative word given coach of the year that's exhibit a because this man took a team to 10 games over 500 and won coach of the year got a team to the four seed and was coach of the year you know what he had to do to win it the first time when he was in chicago he had to have the league mvp an actual mvp not that fraudulent nick fan base created Julius Randle MVP shit, like a real MVP in D-Rose. And the Bulls were a number one seed and won 60 fucking games. That's what got him the award originally. Now we're giving it to him because he got the Knicks to a four seed? When the East was down? When the Celtics were destroyed by COVID? The Heat were destroyed by COVID? This is what we're doing? If the Heat and the Celtics didn't go through all the COVID shit, you think they would have a worse record than the Knicks this year? And now everyone's kind of, you know, passing the blame. Well, you know, look, man, the Knicks, you know, look, you know what? No, no, no. We'll, we'll save that. We'll, yeah, y'all going to get this work on the Knicks. I'm not done. If you think I'm done with the Knicks, they get in their own segment and they get in their own pod. So Lake Show going to be a, 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 its own segment, and the Knicks are getting their own segment. Bonus content for y'all. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop it right there, but please believe, refresh your feeds. You're going to see more shit. Finishing up on Giannis, though, I think what, what it's going to come down to is, if this is the apex, what the fuck do you do if you're the Bucks? You've invested all this money. He's the face of the franchise. You really can't hand the keys to nobody else because you've already paid a shit ton of money to keep Drew Holiday. So that's why I'm asking that question again. Who's the scammer? Is it Drew for pulling up, playing like Drew, which is hard, defensive, good point guard skills, all that type of stuff, but he's basically a better Eric Bledsoe? He's the closest thing they're going to get to having Malcolm Brogdon back? Did he get that bag just because he reminds them of Malcolm Brogdon? Not that he's better than Malcolm Brogdon, but just that he reminds them of Malcolm Brogdon? Now you got Chris Middleton. He's achieved. He's thrived. So what the hell do you do? You have your big three. 
How do you improve that team? Can you improve that team? If the problem is that the dude that makes the most money doesn't have a secondary offensive move, then you're, you're, <laughs> you're shit out of luck, bro. You shit out of luck. You out of here. You out of here, bro. I mean, you can't trade them. Fan base will never forgive you. Who going to take Drew in that contract? Middleton, I mean, when your second best player is your number one option, I mean, that sentence doesn't make sense, right? When your second best player, and now potentially third with Drew, but let's just say he's still second, when your second best player is your number one option, what the fuck are you supposed to do? That's like the Jazz. Imagine if Rudy Gobert was the number one option. Wouldn't we be looking at Donovan Mitchell like he's crazy, like he's overrated, like he's a fraud, like he's a scammer? Those decisions are going to have to be made this offseason for the Bucks. Getting rid of Coach Bud is automatic. I don't know if a new system could be installed by whatever coach to make it to make to make a real difference. I mean, maybe, you know, the whole Nate McMillan thing with Lloyd Pierce, a lot of people are riding on that. I mean, maybe, maybe a different voice spitting the same message gets through like it did, like it did for the Hawks. Nate McMillan's not doing that much different than Lloyd Pierce was, but maybe just a different manner, a different voice, a different verbiage, and they took off. So maybe somebody goes into Milwaukee talking that ball movement shit, talking that chuck all the threes up shit like Coach Bud. Maybe all of a sudden threes start dropping. I don't know. But what was the stat they had on TNT last night? She was funny as hell. They they averaged 14 made threes a game. Through two games, they've made 14. Live by the three, die by the three, right? They're shooting 25% from three. The Nets don't have a shot blocker on the floor outside of Slim Reaper, and that's debatable if he's at that level, still defensively. There's not a shot blocker on the floor. And they're still chucking up three after three after three. Meanwhile, the Nets are out here bombs away 50% from three last night. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be weird for Giannis. Giannis and Drew, if things keep going the way it looks like it's going. Now, this could be the pump fake. I don't think this is Dallas... And the Old English font where the, the Mavs had us thinking they were, they were going to get the Old English font the fuck up out of here. I don't think it's going to be like that. I don't think I don't think we're going to get gassed like that. But, I mean, even if the Bucks win game three, I would need to see more than that. They would have to tie it up or bring it back to Barclays evened up. Game five would have to be 2-2. For me to take the Bucks seriously. Go beat Brooklyn twice at the crib. And twice decisively, not no close win shit, decisively. Like they blew you out damn near by 50. I need that type of energy in Milwaukee. Then I'm like, oh, okay, just home court. Home court and now game five. I don't know if Harden will be back by then, but they should have at least Jeff Green back by then. 
So, I mean, that that's where I'll take this series serious again. But right now, I'm writing it off. Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals. Light work. Which, I mean, I remember talking about this in the Eastern Conference preview pod. We went through the whole goddamn, the whole conference. And then at the end, I said, does all of this matter if Brooklyn is who we think they are? And the homies all agreed. Nope, none, none of this matters. All the stuff we just talked about, none of it matters if Brooklyn is who we think they are. And here we are, where the Nets are blowing out the team with the third best record in the East. Blowing them out like they ain't shit. Blowing them out without the beard. Blowing them out without Jeff Green. Denver Phoenix would have been great if Jamal Murray was there. The backcourt for Denver is so trash right now. Austin Rivers, who was picked up off the scrap heat from Nick's take, and Capanzo or Capuzo. I mean, come on, man. Come on, man. Like, I mean, look, if, if Jokic is your MVP, let me see something. If Jokic is your MVP, let me see something. Because MVP, you know how I feel. Like, if you're that type of dude, you should get two dubs just, just by yourself. You should be good enough to get two dubs all by yourself. So if Jokic is the MVP, if he's y'all's MVP, then go out there and get two dubs. Go out there and get a split in Phoenix, take it to the crib, get another one, and then pray and hope you get two games from your bench. Pray you get a Michael Porter Jr. game. Pray you get an Aaron Gordon game. That's what you have to do if you're Jokic, and that's what you have to do if you're trying to beat this this Phoenix team because D-Book is the best player on the floor. And the thing is, the threat of him is now enough. It used to be where he had to go out there and drop 70 to keep them competitive. Now, just the threat. People seen his movies. Teams are scared to death of what he can do offensively. So now just the threat of him opens up so much more. And I know y'all want to keep pushing the point fraud in my direction. And I would just answering tweets while I was recording to just, just a few minutes ago. If you're going to keep pushing the point, point forward at me, that's cool. But you also have to look at, well, why is he able to do that? You think the point fraud would get it off like how he get it off if he didn't have, to have an offensive weapon like D-Book chilling right there to maximize the defense's attention? You think if teams actually had to key in on just stopping the point fraud, that they couldn't? When has the point fraud last been a number one option? I'll let y'all think on it. When they were Fraud City, was he the number one option or was it the Kia Jumper? When he was in H-Town, was he the number one option or was it the Beard? When he was in New Orleans, that's the closest time where you can debate of whether he was the actual number one option. Although I think David West would have a lot to say about that. I mean, the only time he was an all-star was in New Orleans. The point fraud works best when he has better players around him. All of his success has been when he's had better players around him. And not just better plays in terms of like better role plays. No, 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 no. 
actual better players than him around him. And he has that again in Phoenix. Because D-Book is better than him. He had it in Houston with the beard because the beard was better than him. He had it in L.A. in Fraud City because the Kia jumper was better than him. But y'all keep wanting to make it about him. And he keeps showing y'all by coming up small in big spots how it's not about him. He was on teams that have blown multiple 3-1 leads. Multiple 3-1 leads. Oh, but we're going to blame those on Doc Rivers though, right? That was all Doc Rivers. Point four had nothing to do with that. It's not like he's an extension of the coach on the floor. No, 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 it's not that. He's not a leader of men. Oh, no, 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 but God say he is. He's not a floor general because then that would make him a church. No, oh, oh, no, that's right. But y'all say he is. So a man that has blown 3-1 leads, he's still a leader, a floor general, a coach on the floor. But it's the coach fault, not the guy who's the coach on the floor, the floor general, the leader. Okay. Okay. Y'all, y'all, y'all funny with that shit. Y'all funny with that double standard. When they win... He's the greatest leader of all time. He's a floor general. When they lose, oh, but man, the coach, man. Coaching, you know. The schemes, you know. I mean, who's calling out plays? You think the point fraud is listening to Monty Williams, who should have been coach of the year? You think point fraud is listening to him? Phoenix went 8-0 in the bubble last year, did not make the playoffs. They were a two seed this year. Nick's tape wasn't in the bubble. Went to the four seed, but had to go through a week or a weaker Eastern Conference. Monty Williams, though, went through a hard as hell Western Conference and took a team that was outside the playoffs last year to the two seed. That's more impressive than taking a team that plays hard all regular season in a down conference to a four seed. But whatever. Dave Book will control the outcome of that series. If he wants to go crazy and go 47, like he put up on the Lake Show, and rip that jersey off Bron's back, snatched it from him, I mean, that might have really been, that might have really been when it was cemented to me that the mantle's been passed. Not that he's passing it to the book, but it's, yeah, man. Youngin, young assassin comes in there and shoots up your crib like that to get you the fuck up out of there in five or six, excuse me, in six. Nah, man. Nah, it's, it's, it's a wrap. We had two chances to save your season. Now, you know what? Let me, let me not. I'm saving. You're going to get a Laker bonus pod. You're going to get a Knicks tape bonus pod. So let me, let, let me just save it. But this series is in the hands of Young D-Book. Because Jokic, who's not my MVP, he's he's not going to be able to will this team to four victories. That's the thing when you drop the first game, right? So there's potentially six games left. You're telling me Jokic is going to be able to get four out of six on D-Book? When he's got eight in hooping like this? Don't see it. Don't see it. Utah and the Old English font. Both flawed teams. Both teams with star power. Both teams with fraudulent reputations on the line. 
Can the Boardman outduel Donovan Mitchell? That's what the series comes down to. It's not Pandemic P, who is still Pandemic P until proven otherwise. It's not Pat Bev, although I would love Joe Ingles, who I keep saying is a diet Luca, to get on that floor and start trying to get switches on to Pat Bev and call him too fucking little. Because he would be too fucking little for Joe Ingles. Or even Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich might do it. He's He's got that kind of moxie to do it. But somebody on the Jazz needs to make sure because Pat Bev is going to get more run. You saw Pat Bev ain't getting no run the rest of that Mavs series. You saw it. But he's going to get some run in this series, especially if Mike Conley is healthy. So will someone post up Pat Bev and continue to remind him how he's too fucking little? But besides that, it's about Kawhi versus Donovan Mitchell. How high up into the top 10 are you trying to go, Donovan? Because Kawhi is still top five. Are you trying to crack the top 10? You trying to crack the top six or seven? Or are you cool marinating in that 11 to nine range? How high up do you want to go, Donovan? Because that's where he's going to have to, he's going to have to ascend to be a top 10 to give Utah a real chance here. I think the the Clippers dodged a huge bullet because Luka is still frail. He's got six years of professional basketball on a 22-year-old body. And it's clear that in the offseason, he doesn't give a fuck. That's why I call him Slovenian Harden because he came to camp out of shape just like Harden. Fresh out the bubble, he ain't give a fuck. Pop belly and all. At least with the beard, we know where he gets his shit from. He gets his shit off in the strip clubs, hanging with rappers, shit like that. What is Slovenian Harden doing in the offseason? Taking it back to the crib in Slovenia? Is he the Harden for real, for real, off the court too? Is he Slovenian Harden off the court? Because it seems like he's on that same type of time. I mean, he's a lot younger. But he seems to be on the same type of time. If ever there was a series where it's important that the old, like the old English font can't trick off two games like they like they've done against the Mavs, the last two uh, playoff runs actually, they can't just give away games. The old English font is still prone to just giving away games. Utah is a number one seed for a reason. Think all you want about Rudy Gobert. Think all you want about what Donovan Mitchell is or isn't. Think all you want about Mike Conley, Bogdanovich, Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, Royce O'Neal. Think all you want about Quinn Snyder. Think all you want about the fans of Utah and all that shit. They're the number one seed. Number one seed. And from the all-star break on, they ran the goddamn table, basically. So they're the number one seed. And they play real defense. And they shoot a hell of a lot of threes. So this alleged defense that the Clippers were supposed to be playing all these years that we still haven't seen yet, will it show up this series? It's a huge-ass question mark. I have no idea. I have no idea. And that's the thing. Like, when you do all of that, when you have this reputation, when you have Boardman who we who seemed to be the only one who could play respectable defense on Luka, although Luka looked to be 
flabby and sick. Definitely hurt. But Kawhi was able to outlast him just like he did last year in the bubble. He was able to outlast Luka. He waited till Luka got hurt, and then he went and did board man things. He can't do that. You can't wait for Donovan Mitchell to get hurt. You can't wait for Donovan Mitchell to be off. You can't wait for if Mike Conley's healthy. You can't wait for him to just not be there. There's an inside presence. Derek Favors is strong off the bench. This Utah team is serious. This is not a good matchup for the Old English font. They could prove me wrong. That's fine. I don't like this matchup for the Old English font because they have the wing defenders. They don't have isolated wing defenders. They play more of a team defensive scheme where they funnel everyone into Rudy. That scheme will stop a lot of that robot Jordan shit that Boardman gets into. All that robot Jordan shit of getting to your spot and just being automatic elbow jumpers, 18 feet out, left block, all that stuff. They're just going to funnel that to bring you in a little bit closer instead of 18 feet. We want you about 12 feet so then we can get Rudy in that long-ass wingspan to come flying at you. We'll see if it works. That one I have, I have no real feel on. It's, it's an interesting matchup. Hi, Philly. <laughs> How y'all feeling? Y'all good? Y'all good? Oh, then. <laughs> Y'all ain't learn from New York? <laughs> Y'all ain't learn from the meniscus tear task master? Y'all ain't learn? Y'all know how to stop and pick a roll? Yo, Doc, yo, Doc. Wait, wait, wait. Hold up, Doc. Hold up. You talked all that shit to PG, and deservedly so. You ain't figure out how to stop and pick a roll, bruh? <laughs> you don't know how to stop floaters? Oh, oh, you wait till you down 20 plus to start trapping? Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. All that Danny Green shit I was seeing on Twitter. You know, Philly fans were trying to trying to pump up Danny Green, acting like that wasn't the same Danny Green that they was clowning with the Lake Show last year. They were reclaiming him now. What, Trey Young went for, what, 39? 39 in game one? You know how many of that 39 Danny Green was the primary defender on? Half. <laughs> 19 of the 39. So, yes, technically not 100% half. But you know what the fuck I'm saying. Half. <laughs> oh, but we got Matthias. All right, but where was he, though? It was Danny Green. So what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, Ben's defensive player of the year. All right. Where was he, though? He was just watching Danny Green give up 20-piece to Trey Young after y'all watched the Knicks tape give up damn near 30 a game to Trey Young. Y'all let him walk into your crib and do the same exact shit, pulling from the fucking logo and dropping floaters with both hands. <laughs> 
y'all watched all that fucking film and let the same shit happen to you? <laughs> y'all ran Brett Brown out the door for fucking Doc Rivers? <laughs> Y'all thought y'all were going to get some huge adjustments with Doc Rivers just because he ain't named Brett Brown? <laughs> oh, shit. Whew. Whew. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Holy shit. Usa. Usa. Man. Yo, I look, y'all better win. That's, that's all the analysis. That's all. Y'all better win. Because what I'm, what I'm about to do separately to the Knicks and to the Lake Show, y'all don't want to be next. Y'all don't want to be next. I'm telling you, Philly, y'all don't want to be next with what I'm about to do to the Lake Show and to Knicks tape. Y'all going to get a isolated episode of bonus shit. If y'all trick this off, y'all better not do it. Y'all, I'm telling you, not to this team, not to this Hawk team. I don't want to hear it. Don't trick it off or y'all going to be next on that bonus content screen. Y'all going to be next. That's all I got for you. Don't let it happen because I got some shit I've been saving in the tuck. Don't let it happen. That's all I got for y'all. I'll repeat it again, Philly. Say it with me now. Don't let it happen. You know what it is. Appreciate y'all for listening. Uh, refresh your feeds throughout the day because we got more content coming. We airing out next tape. We airing out the Lake Show. Hit up that podcast voicemail, 347-871-1044. Again, hit up the the CMD podcast voicemail, 347-871-1044. But yeah, man, we be out here. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's going to be a long day for a lot of NBA teams today. I'm airing a lot of shit out, getting a lot of shit off my chest. We playing the crib today, so I got nothing but time. Refresh your feeds. The Sandy Podcast. I'm out. <laughs>